And the show has started. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is uh, the earliest we've ever recorded a Chubstep episode. Uh, well, I suppose that's correct, but we did have a radio station that, or a radio show that went till about one o'clock in the morning. That's a good point. I, I but I'm not one of those people that looks at it and when somebody says, hey, good morning, and it's like 3 a.m. To me, that's still the night before. Good morning is like <laughs> 4 a.m. Is that, is <laughs> that just, good morning? <laughs> good morning is whenever you have gone to sleep the, the day before that had to get up. Or I guess if people you get do up pull an all-nighter. Yeah, they do. Psycho people do. Um, Psycho people. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, or if you pull an all-nighter and then you have to like, you know, then you start seeing the sunrise. Then you can say good morning. It's when the sun's up. Would you consider that? yourself a morning person? Not at all. No. Me neither. I, I can get up in the morning. I just I think my preferred time to get up is maybe like uh you know maybe nine thirty a.m. nine a.m. nine thirty a.m. that kind of thing. Yeah. Morning, that so yeah. That's that good. So, yeah. good. That, that's, that's a that's a cozy time, man. Do you ever sleep past noon anymore? Uh, I've not in for no, not really, not really. No, I wish I could. I, I feel like if you did, it would just mess everything up. That's what I don't like. I don't like sleeping in too late, and then your whole day's ruined. So, uh, Pat, what's been going on, man? Uh, I've been all work, no play. So I haven't done too much. This upcoming weekend, though, I am going to a boxing event at my former high school, so I'm looking forward to that. Is it just like uh, a, a group of students that like one of the kids is like, dude, I'm going to fuck you up on Saturday. You better be here at the parking lot. And then you're just going to go check it out. Or is it like an organized? No, event? it's or, it's or, organized boxing. Okay. Well, that'd be fun. Yeah. it's uh, They've been doing it for like, I don't know, 80 years or something. So they do it every year. Oh, okay. It's a big thing. And then they just like in the gymnasium, they set up a big boxing ring and then some amateurs come and box. Exactly. Exactly. How about an opportunity to have the students come punch the teachers? <laughs> Don't work like that, man. It I goes think... by, well, first it goes by weight class, and then <laughs> you have to be a student. Oh, so you have to be a student? Yes, you have to be a student. It's students. Okay. I see. I could see that easily turning into like uh, something where they're going to end up getting sued sometime because of it. Like, Enjoy it while you can, because I feel like in this society, you're going to get uh, it's very short-lived before they're going to be shut down. Dude, Catholic school has their own rules, not owned by the state. That's a very good point. Yeah, they get away with stuff a little longer. A lot of stuff. Yeah. Because of the implication. Well, nice, but that'll be good. Uh, Tell us all about that next week. Bird up. Hello. 
I was at the uh, I went up to Milwaukee this past weekend and I saw the Jack White concert on Friday night. Oh, that's right. How was it? It was really good. So it was at the Rave, and like I, I kind of told you, I think separately that I've never been to the Rave, which is interesting. It's in one of the one of the venues in you Milwaukee. Mean the Eagles Ballroom. The Eagles Ballroom slash Rave. So I, I like it. The top floor. Yes, is that where the Eagles Ballroom is? Yes. The Rave is like some, a different floor. Yes. Okay. Well, yes, Eagles Ballroom. It's a really cool old building. I really like it's very it's oval shaped and it's very ornate, very old school. A lot of like it's surrounded by a lot of little half circle balconies that are like surrounding this oval, and then you've got the stage in the middle or kind of you know on one side of the oval. And then uh, they posted this picture of what it used to look like. I was like, man, I feel like maybe operas are suffering here. And speaking of boxing matches, they posted some picture of like from the 1930s, there was some Golden Glove boxing match that was right in the middle. And it fit, like, perfect. Like, everybody was wearing suits. It feel, felt very more like that's what it should have been more than this Jack White concert. But uh, it was it was a cool place to see a concert. I, I Jack White's very interesting to me as a musician because he plays a bunch of different types of music. He's been in a couple of different groups where the focus has been, like, different types, uh, like a country, more, like, folk-type music. There's like some funk type music. He does like some soft rock, and there's some points where it's like fairly metally type music. And uh, it's kind of interesting with his transition from you know genre to genre. He's switching his he had like four guitars up there that he's switching, and so that was pretty interesting to just kind of see that uh, that thing happen. There I was. He went from the White Stripes to the Rat Counters to his own. Uh solo whatever he's doing right now. Yeah, there's like, one He just goes by his name but like he has a band so it's kind of weird. Yeah, exactly. He had and there was one other band in there too that I was not super familiar with but they had some some other stuff. Uh but yeah, so it was a combination the, the concert was a combination of all the different things. Some of his solo stuff and then some of his previous stuff with different bands. How long did he play? So uh he played so I think it was like 90 90 minutes of it like started off like 90 minutes and there was like an encore like fairly i don't know maybe like an hour into the show you know he goes off the stage for like 5 minutes it's dark every you know it's like a break on you know just classic encore but then he went on for another like 30 minutes and i was like all right well, that's kind of interesting encore right a little long so then he goes up and every like the whole band is standing there and they bow and then they go off the stage and then they turn on the lights and then they start cleaning up everything. Literally, they're taking guitars off the stage and stuff like that. My sister, uh, she has to go to the bathroom. We were, like, walking out the door. My sister has to go to the bathroom. I went with, with Elle, friend of the show. And uh, so then we're waiting. We're waiting. You know, I'm waiting for her. Don't flush those toilets! And, I, you know, maybe at least a quarter of the people had left at this point. And, and then the other three quarters are still standing there, like, cheering this on. They're like, the lights are on. There's music playing that's not, you know, that's like... Uh, yeah, what a wonderful uh-huh. world. Yep, is playing. By Louis Armstrong. By Louis Armstrong is playing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, so then this is playing, you know, and everybody's walking out. And then all of a sudden they're still, like, ch- you know, standing there, like, chanting. And I'm like, he already did the encore. Like, what do we, like, this is just people being dumb. So then we're about to walk out. And then all of a sudden he walks back out on stage. And this is. They did two encores. I'm not, yeah, I'm not exaggerating. This is, like, 15 minutes of in-between time. With the lights on and a bunch of stuff off the stage, and, <laughs> and so that's why all these people left. And then they like just sort of like rush everything back on stage, and he comes back out, and they did like four more songs. They were they were. I'm glad he did because they were some of his more popular songs. 
Uh, but I don't think that was originally planned. So the the whole thing ended up being a little over two hours, and uh, it was it was a really good show though. Glad uh, glad I got to see it. Man, those resilient fans—they would not take no for an answer. Yeah, and I've done that. So what were they chanting? Were they like Jack White? I, I couldn't White. even hear it. I couldn't even hear what they were chanting. It was just you know some oh. generic drone chanting. I've tried this before at concerts, and it doesn't really work. We were at a uh, a Nelly concert. This is at Summerfest, so he was just playing, and I was there seeing Nelly. And then uh, he, he after he did the show, they don't really do. Uh, you don't really do encores at Summerfest. Sometimes they do, but you, and this is like the last one, so I think it was just kind of over. But then we I, a, it's not just Summerfest; like large festivals, usually they don't do that. So everything's timed. That makes know? sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And we started shouting four more years, and we got this huge <laughs> chant going for four more years, <laughs> and he never came back out. So I just kind of figured this would be the same thing. But yeah, there you are. How sad. How sad, exactly. And then I went to... Sad. Uh, sad, sad. Then I went to a, a wedding after that, uh, the next day in Milwaukee. And I had... Uh, it was at the, the Marquette Church in Jesu. And I had mentioned that I had never, never been there. I you know, went to school there three and a half years, and I never actually walked into that uh, the big church there. But it's pretty nice. Pretty cool place. Uh, it's, I'm glad I got to see it. Uh, the, the wedding was good. You know, you realize that you go to the, the wedding, the reception after, and you realize that the issue is that the open bar situation. Because I think what keeps you in check a lot of times is the you have to pay for drinks. So why is the open bar an issue? I'm confused. Because you don't, because you don't have to pay for them. You're not really paying attention to how many you've had. So you're saying people would get less lit at a wedding if it wasn't free. Wow. <laughs> Crazy concept, right? Insane concept. Crazy. It wasn't like your wedding in St. Louis, but uh, I thought you know it was a good time and I uh, had a lot of squints, squirting gins. Um, I got pretty turned up at a wedding in St. Louis. Uh, well, later on, we have an interview with Microdot, so I want to get to a few stuff here first before we get to that. We have two emails here that I'm going to wait. Four. <laughs> we have a few emails here that I'm going to wait for next week. Uh, Brooke, yours, and Smacko, yours. We're going to wait because they involve calling other people. Um, so I'm not going to do that at six in the morning. So, uh, here we go. Let's hear this one here, Pat. And this says an issue with your excessive use of the letter S. This is a listener email, chubsteps.podcast at gmail.com. So this says, hello, longtime listener, longtime emailer, long poop taker. I would like to bring attention to the fact that you first world one percenters keep putting S's on the end of words unnecessarily. Jared, the Netflix show is Ozark, not Ozarks. Pat, the pizza is DiGiorno, not DiGiorno's. Somewhere in the USA right now, there's a poor little boy trying to spell Mississippi, but can't because you guys are hogging all the S's. Are there no standards for your podcast anymore? When will it end? Be better. Unrelated, here's a joke because I can't end on a negative note. What's the difference between a hippo and a zippo? One is pretty heavy. The other is a little lighter. (laughs) (laughs) Yours in Christ, Trevor. So it's Trevor. Uh, Trevor did that email. And I like uh, in the the topic here, all the S's are dollar signs. So... Do you notice you adding S's to the end of things, Pat? 
Um, no, I don't. I also don't care. <laughs> I also don't understand why it's a big issue. Because we're hogging all Thank the assets. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the time that I guess I've picked this up, when I was in, when I used to do my volunteer trips down in the Appalachians, uh, there was a, everybody would, there would call Walmart Walmarts. Like, I'm going to go to Walmarts later. And so then I started, like, that we would purposely call Walmart Walmarts, like, just because it fit in locally. And then I, th- I wonder if that's translated to other words that I use. The example is DiGiorno's when it's supposed to be just DiGiorno pizza. What? Have you ever just heard DiGiorno pizza? I don't think you're right. I think that's how you refer to it. DiGiorno's with an apostrophe. I actually kind of agree with you on this one, Pat. The listeners, Thank you, Trevor. The listener's not Go always right. Tartar sauce. I, uh, <laughs> I'm going to stick. I, you're right about the Ozarks thing, though. But but if I'm talking about, like, I'm watching the show Ozark, yeah, I guess that makes more sense. It's not Ozarks. Okay, you're right. Thank you, Trevor. Okay, here's the next one. And, uh, oh, it's uh, it's Rosalie following up on her Chrissy Teigen notes. It's called Re-Chrissy Teigen. Uh, this, is why Chrissy, this is why Rosalie hates Chrissy Teigen. We were asking why she would. Here's our answer. I personally hate her because she thinks she's relatable to the general population. Look at her Twitter. But she's really not. She frequently posts annoying pictures on Twitter, trying to relate to the public, for example. A picture of John Legend eating chicken nuggets off her butt. Second, Sweet. she's one of those annoying girls who won't shut up about chicken nuggets. <laughs> uh, very loud and obnoxious, in my opinion. Also, I'm a huge Sebastian Maniscalco fan. Thank you for giving him credit where credit is due. So she doesn't like him because she seems fake and like she's trying to relate to people, but she really doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of, I even kind of like relate to the chicken nuggets comment. Like, I, I there's a couple girls out there who it's like, I've seen like ten thousand posts by or about like portillos or pizza or chicken nuggets. I'm like, okay, it's like food everyone likes. Like, I get <laughs> yeah, it, pretty, you know. Yeah, let's hear about how much you like fries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, yeah. Like. Had a, had a really rough day. Went to Portillo's. Yeah. Like, okay, great. Next week, how do you make your day today? Portillo's. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, I get that. I get that, right? It's like if, if, if it's something that everybody enjoys, why, yeah, you don't need to go ahead and say something about it, right? It's like, yeah, it's just like you said, being obsessed with fries. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank no you, Rosalie. I, pre- I appreciate appreciate the explanation. Recording live from somewhere. This is what it is, okay? I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. Now you put water. So uh, we welcomed on the show, Microdot. Mike, you have been on the show before. I looked, and it was like a year ago, almost. You were on the show. Right. Pretty crazy that it's uh, that it's been that long. And I know, man. Time really has been flying by. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. We're at that age, I think, right now. I think after you get out of school, um, time just starts kind of going fast, and you get in that kind of that rhythm of you're doing the same job every day, and you're you know, the you're working long hours, and then the weekends are short, and it's uh, time really starts going starts going by fast. I so, agree, man. It's easy to get lost in that too. You know, you got to try to make time for uh, the things that you love, and 
um, just make sure you don't get too sucked into that, you know, because it's so easy to do. Yeah. No, I know. I know. And that's uh, when I look back, uh, that's why I kind of like doing the, the podcast because I'm able to look back and be like, oh, yeah, I, re- I mean, it was like, wow, a year ago already since I interviewed uh, interviewed you. And like, I can listen to the episode and see what was going on that week and stuff like that. It's kind of a cool uh, little thing. And I'm sure it's similar with music for you. You were kind of like, you can kind of look back and be like, oh, that's when I made that song. That's what I was thinking. Stuff like that. Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely cool to sometimes go back and, and listen to my old tunes and kind of exactly kind of just uh, it's it's nostalgic. You know, you can kind of remember where you were at at that point through um, through the music. And, and that's cool to just kind of do every once in a while for sure. Do you have songs that you go back and listen to and you're like, well, how did I make like, why did I release that? Yeah, 100 <laughs> percent. No doubt about it. What's, and uh, that's yeah. actually why I, tr- I try to keep my SoundCloud page like updated with the music that I most, um, I guess, enjoy and would prefer people hear, you know, because I've definitely deleted quite a few tunes off of my SoundCloud. And, and it's because of exactly that. It's like, I, I can't believe, you know, the, the level of mixing was so poor or the mastering mm-hmm. or both or just... Um, you know the type of music i was creating you know i'm i'm focused more on deep dubstep now and so i i um, removed a lot of these rhythm tracks that i i made which is another subgenre of dubstep which i stopped making but um yeah just constantly trying to keep the page updated so that the sounds that people are hearing from me are the ones that are most relevant you know yeah so i remember yeah rhythm is what you were focusing on last time so now you're doing deep dubstep yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it, it was really kind of a tough choice, but um, the two genres within my own mind, at least, just seemed to kind of fight against each other. And it was kind of like I had this choice of, you know, a path that I wanted to choose. And um, I went with Deep Dubstep. I think that that's more who I am on a spiritual level and it speaks to me more on a spiritual level as well so um that's why i went with that instead nice yeah awesome uh so mike i always think about you're talking about getting rid of some of your old uh songs i always think about that with like how they re-release all these like tupac songs that they're finding you know that were never released i always think about it is it like is that what the scenario was for these songs that are getting released now was it just like some song that tupac hated he's like get rid of that no i don't want anybody to hear that and now he's dead and now they just start releasing all this (laughs) that's a good question man i the way that i have always kind of thought about it was that they were just tunes that he made that were not released um and then you know obviously he passed away and then uh they decided to release them after that but it could of course be the same way that you said too which is like you know maybe it was a really old tune or something that was released at some point but was just more of a smaller label or something and then they re-released it on a larger one you know yeah yeah. Uh, so, okay, the, the expressing yourself kind of, you talked about how deep dubstep is kind of a more expression of who you are. How do you express, I, I feel like it's very easy to express yourself through music that has lyrics, right? Because people, they'll go through some breakup, Taylor Swift will go through some breakup, and then she'll write a whole song about how that breakup <laughs> affected her life, right? That's like every one of her songs. So how do you do that without lyrics? I mean, sometimes, obviously, some dubstep songs will have some repetitive lyrics, um, but it's not like a lyrical type of genre of music. So how do you express yourself through that kind of thing? Through uh, just it's also sounds. the energy, you know, the, the energy of the music, the way 
that the you know the how fast or slow the drums are or um, the movement of the the bass synths or just the sub bass in general it all kind of comes together in this big conglomerate of of um, this like sonic sphere of sound and, and it's all uh, encompassed by energy and I think that uh, that energy is what people feel when they listen <clears throat> and and that is kind of what what guides people's emotions so I, I would say it, it's all about uh, the energy especially since uh, dubstep is all pretty much in 140 BPM so you're almost kind of like stuck with this one bpm to make so you got to kind of like be creative in you know how you organize what's in that 140 bpm in order to convey certain types of energy why do they stick with that 140 bpms you know that's a really good question um I, i'm not entirely sure uh <laughs> some people kind of up it to 145 sometimes i've even seen dubstep tunes in 150 but yeah it really just tends to stick to 140 and i guess it probably just really goes back to uh when dubstep first emerged from the uk that was just kind of what they were all creating it in was 140 and it just kind of stuck to that particular bpm and um, just hasn't really changed since. Uh, you know, like I said, some people, they like to mess with it a little bit, but it pretty much sticks with that 140, which makes it easier to mix. So mm -hmm. um, it, I'm not really complaining. But yeah. <laughs> it's, you know what I mean? It's just like yeah. it's, it's a lot less about, you know, beat matching when you're mixing live and more about just like controlling the energy or getting it to, to level at a certain plane and uh you know increase or decrease you know depending on how you want to so it's it's a little bit less at, in a live setting that you have to think about which is nice yeah. but um yeah some, some tunes do stray away from that but yeah it pretty much sticks with that 140 bpm okay yeah and i was i was right thinking like maybe you could you know somebody obviously could separate themselves from the pack by doing that but i feel like the people probably that listen to dubstep are so used to that like that's what they're probably looking for yeah, most definitely. I, I think once you get into the groove of 140, I mean, it's almost built into my very being at this point. Like I can easily, very easily tap, you know, 140 BPM um, just because it's like ingrained into my <laughs> DNA at this point, it seems like. Um, and I think that, yeah, you're right. Once the listener, they kind of get used to what that feeling is, um, you know, that's kind of just what it is to them and anything that strides away from that might not sound right i will say that i don't really smoke uh like weed anymore but when i used to it used to be like now that i think about it it was like the perfect bpm it wasn't too fast it wasn't too slow at least when i was like you know high but now that i'm more sober i, I guess it still is like a, a good bpm but i would say yeah it, it like you know dubstep came from dub which came from like reggae and you know so there's a lot of like marijuana and like weed culture behind it so i think that that maybe has a lot to do with it as well it's like a really good vibey bpm uh when you're stoned gotcha gotcha so do you think weed had a bigger influence or this uh, the game midnight club dub edition had a bigger influence on <laughs> dubstep probably probably the video game okay. <laughs> <laughs> they did have a great soundtrack people forget about that that, that yeah. was a really good game man yeah i absolutely <laughs> loved that game between yeah. that and like need for speed underground 2 oh yeah th those were some of my childhood like 
memories right yeah, there, man. Yeah. <laughs> awesome games. I completely agree. Um, so, I, okay, so last time I was listening to the interview on the drive over here, so from last time, and we talked about how you can't do dubstep for every song, but do you think there is a market for uh, a gospel dubstep? Is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know about that one, man. Because d- dubstep is just like so deep and dark in general that <laughs> that's just like moving so like in a weird direction with it. But who knows, man? Maybe somebody will come up with it someday. Yeah, because like I just think about so like the big money makers. So like in movies, um, the ones that make like the most money are like are, that's are usually some of the safer bets are like horror movies and then like faith based films. And so I always think about like, so there's a big market for that. I had no idea how you do. It. I just, you know, it just, uh, it's just a thought. So, you know, Mike, if you're, if you're ever thinking about exploring it, just grab some, uh, just grab some recording of, uh, you know, the Vatican, uh, church ceremony, just, <laughs> just synthesize one of those. Well, you know, <laughs> honestly, chance. man, it's kind of interesting that you, you bring up faith-based music because I, I kind of feel like that it kind of is, and my, you know, my music is not gospel obviously, but it's spirituality oriented, you know? And to me, that that's kind of my faith is being spiritual, you know. So I, I think that, you know, I am kind of trying to implement um, faith based uh, spirituality in the dubstep scene uh, to the best of my ability. And there is a market for it, for sure. You know, there's a lot of people seeking truth and spirituality out there who don't have the answers and they are seeking them. And I'm not saying I have all the answers necessarily, but I think that um listening to my music can definitely guide you into the right path or direction, you know? Yeah. So how do you, how do you go about doing that? You know, and you talk about like your different, obviously you're just, you're, your different sounds and the way you move the music, but like, how does that encompass the kind of spiritual, what about it makes it spiritual versus just kind of like a, a different type of vibe? Um, I would say that a lot of the samples that I use have a a positive message. Um, Also, the samples that I use have like like cultural vibes, you know, like uh, uh, ethnic vibes and, you know, such as like uh, Indian culture or Chinese culture Mm -hmm. or um, some tunes I make are have like a Jamaican vibes. And those are all you know, uh, very like spiritual in nature. They have these ethnic or, um, positive, Mm -hmm. uh, overtones to them. And I think, so it has a lot to do with the, the samples that I use, you know, um, like sitar, for example, is like very, can easily put someone into a trance when you're meditating to it. And I use sitar sometimes, or, um, I will, also use like drums you know like uh like native american or uh native drums and those just kind of like are are easier sounds to uh use that kind of just have that like more uh meditative vibe to them you know sounds that allow you to uh meditate a little bit easier to me are considered you know spiritual yeah so i i use a lot of those uh like ethnic sounds and samples, and I think that that has a, a, a big um, impact on the listener as far as, you know, um, feeling spiritual to them. Yeah. Do you ever think about, like, dressing up in that ethnic garb, like, while you're doing performing those songs, um, you know, specifically <laughs> at the shows? Yeah, I, I've actually considered, like, <laughs> dressing in, like, an all-white robe before. Yeah. <laughs> that's, well, that's a, that's no, a dangerous totally game, can. yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I, I would not ever do that, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So, one of, so okay, so in that year kind of that since the last time we talked, what has kind of been the biggest change? Like what have you kind of learned as you've been doing, you know, been more into the music scene and stuff like that that you kind of picked up on throughout maybe the last year and a half or so? Like what's been the biggest change? Um, what have you learned kind of the most? I guess the biggest change for me was really uh, moving from making rhythm and deep dubstep to just deep dubstep. I, I was kind of able to see the truth in what rhythm is and what it stands for. And um, it kind of just like irked me the wrong way. You know, it, it's it was totally against what I've always um, been into. And uh, at, at least since, since I got out of high school, you know, I, before then I, I didn't really know who I was or what I wanted to do, I was kind of lost like a lot of people are. And uh, once I kind of uh, gained a little bit of knowledge and truth of who I am and who I am to become, it was really easy to, to see that that kind of really wasn't for me anymore and that I needed to um, do this for um, not only myself, but for the people who listen. Because now that I'm starting to have a bigger, you know, more vast uh, range of people listening, it, it just seemed like the right time to kind of um, switch gears, so to speak, and um, move in a new direction, a more positive direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to have the kind of the feeling. You got to be, you got to appreciate what you're doing. Like you have to be behind it 100%. So I get that. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, once I woke up to the fact that, you know, I wasn't even standing up for what I was doing with my own music. It was mm -hmm. like, there, there has to be a change, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike, do you regret not doing the, uh, Walmart kid EDM mix coming up with that first? <laughs> not really, to be honest with you, man. Although I will say that that kid, he's, he's got, uh, he's got what it takes. I hope that he succeeds <laughs> in life. <laughs> I was just surprised how big that ED, that version of it got, uh, that whoever made, uh, I know. But, I, I saw that. I was yeah. pretty impressed, actually. Yeah. There's like a hockey team warming up to it. Some NHL team was doing it. <laughs> anyway, it's just kind of funny how that stuff gets. Um, yeah. What, what are you listening to now? Uh, like music-wise, what do you listen to? Um, well, I, I do listen to some deep dubstep as well. I listen to it for, you know, not only inspiration, but just because I truly enjoy it. You know, I've been listening to it since we were in high school together, and that was what, like, easily 10 years ago so um but other than that i like listening to a lot of down tempo um i guess one of the more mainstream down tempo artists would be like odessa or flume i really dig that kind of music mm -hmm. quite a bit um i also listen to uh wave which uh wave is kind of like you know this like new era of hip-hop it seems like it's kind of almost ambient in nature mm -hmm. um and just pure ambience as well. I really like listening to ambience. I like meditating to ambience. So, um, yeah, I, I listen to a lot of newer music. I, I think it's good to stay updated on what's kind of, like, um, new and, and coming out. Like, on SoundCloud, for example, that's where I hear a lot of this new yeah. kind of music. And so I, I try to stay updated with it. And I've even actually made tracks that um, are ambient or, like, down-tempo 
tunes and um just to kind of you know switch it up a little bit because just making dubstep can be it can feel really redundant and i can start to lose inspiration mm-hmm. um for it so i kind of will uh you know move to something else for a little while and uh then come back to it nice uh okay so this is something i realize i've asked a lot of the other uh music uh musicians that we've had on the show but not i never asked you like when you think about the, the popular artists out there right now who do you think will stand the test of time like who will we look back on in 15 years and be like oh that's still a good song or that's you know that artist is still that, that they were good at the time because there's a lot out there right that's kind of crap uh and then you know it's very poppy or you're like you don't want to listen to it again but you know there's still plenty of songs we listen to that are 15 20 years old who do you think that is right now that's out other than yourself, of course. Um, you know, it, <laughs> well, it's tough to say specifically who would be, but I, I can say that the people who are going to stand the test of time are the people who create music because they love to create it. You know, the, the people who are creating it for money or for fame, those are the people who are going to drop out eventually once they get what they want. But people who do it for the love, those are going to be the people who stand the test of time and just continue to make music because they'd love to do it, you know. Yeah, yeah. All right, Mike, um, is there anything else you want to uh, get out there? Um, yeah, I mean, I uh, I have a Prime Audio, uh, an EP on Prime Audio. That's right. Uh, Stay woke. Yeah, coming very soon. Um, I want to say it's going to be May 7th is the release, and uh, it's a five-track EP. Um, a lot of the bigger songs that uh, are on release of mine are going to be on it, so I'm pretty excited for that. I think it's going to be pretty big. It's also um, the largest label that I've released um, an EP with so far, so very proud of that. Um, I have a show in Eau Claire coming up this weekend, which I'm very excited about. That's going to be this Saturday, um, headlining with uh, Turning and Sound, and um, also... I have a show coming up in Chicago, so maybe uh, May maybe 18th. you could come out. That would be awesome if you could come out. Yeah, that's gonna be. I'll put that uh, on the calendar. I think it's May 17th or May 18th. I got, I got May like 18th a, written down in Bedford Park. Oh, oh, yeah, at Bedford Park. You already knew that. Okay, sweet. So there, there's that, and then uh, also I am actually in the process of getting like a tour worked out, uh, either this summer or fall with a good friend and producer Durandal. And um, we're going to be um, doing this through submission, which is our talent agency. And they're kind of setting it all up and uh, yeah, very excited for the tour as well. So really some, some huge things uh, in the very near future. Awesome. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's really great to hear and people can check out. So that the prime audio is where they can find your stay woke uh, album coming out May 7th, right? Correct. Yeah. And then, um, you can, it's going to be on like all digital retailers. So you'll see it on, uh, Beatport, iTunes. Um, I think they might even possibly put it on Spotify. So, um, okay. I, I don't think it'll be on Pandora, but yeah, you can pretty much get it wherever. Okay. And, uh, what are people supposed to stay woke to? <laughs> uh, truth. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Mike, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, so everybody, yeah, check out all that. Also, soundcloud.com slash microdot, M-I-K-R-O-D-O-T, and microdot dubs on Facebook and Spotify, microdot. Definitely. All right. Thank you so much for having me, Jared. Yeah. It was really good to be on the show again. Yeah, thanks, Mike. We'll have you on again, too. So uh, all right. perfect. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Good talking to you.
All right, thanks so much, man. Yeah. All right, much love, man. All right, you too. Pat, I thought we'd do a t- or, uh, Jeff Goldblum movie review. Yo. Hi. Okay. Hi. Hi. I'm Jeff Goldblum. You, you interest me strangely. You have uh, you've uh, uh, tapped into some kind of secret vein. Why would you do that to Goldblum? <laughs> What's Goldblum ever done to you? What's Goldblum ever done to you? Forget the fat lady. You're obsessed with the fat lady. Because she's sweet and like a peach and like a juicy and sweet. You, you're afraid to be too Goldblum. He no. thinks if he smells Goldblum, he's going to be Goldblum. By jamming them into his pocket. I'm going to get my Goldblum on. That is one big pile of shit. Goldblum is content. Uh, people always ask me how I pronounce my name, Goldblum or Goldblum. Uh, I always tell them the same thing. How dare you speak to me? This is a series of four episodes of... Captain Planet and the Planeteers. Oh. You ever seen the show? I just remember... I don't know. I don't think so. I it, I remember one guy who was like, Captain Planet, motherfucker, but I don't remember. <laughs> that's, like. That's, uh, that's definitely not like... Yes, Captain okay. Planet is in this, uh, but he definitely is definitely a kid's show where he doesn't shout, Captain Planet, motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh. It was by Funny or Die. It was like some short. Like, okay, YouTube so thing. you remember the Funny or Die making fun of it, not so much the. I guess. Thing, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I actually watched the show quite a bit as a child, um, as a youth, and the whole concept is that there's these five kids that have these rings, and these rings each have like one element to them. If they want, they can combine the rings together and form Captain America, or Captain, or sorry, Captain Planet. And then with Captain Planet, uh, they can help like fight pollution. <laughs> it's so all these, all these seem to be based around like somebody just wants to spread around pollution, which uh, in my in like basically in my history that what I know with the world that's never really been the case is where it's just like somebody's goal just to spread pollution. Uh, but that seems to be a big theme here where like there's all these guys that are just like wanting to destroy the earth and I never really understand that either like if people hate the earth I guess maybe I can see that right they've got some some deep-seated childhood issue with with people in general Did you say you have a friend who likes to litter yes oh, you know what <laughs> yeah you're right my friend that's a good point Maybe it's a good point. My friend Frat Sullivan likes used to like to throw. I don't know. I haven't ridden around the car with him as much recently, but he used to love to throw just any sort of garbage out the window, even if there was like a, a garbage can like right there. So you know what? This would be perfect. That's you know what, Pat. I stand corrected. Uh, there was probably a Planeteer episode about Frat Sullivan, and maybe that's why he's kind of t- uh, calmed down a little bit about it. Um, good point. So here's the concept. There's there's here's the four people. Kwame. From Africa with the power of Earth, Wheeler from North America with the power of fire, Guy from Asia with the power of water, Linka from the Soviet Union with the power of wind, and then here's my most favorite one, Matai from South America with the power of heart. 
and uh, that so that that's like the whole con. Like, there's literally some guy. His little uh, you know ring just shoots out whatever heart is. You know, he like can get animals to be on his side and things like that. I feel like it should have been like something different. Um, so whatever. Yeah. So here, here's the interesting what? with this. Yeah, what? There's some interesting country choices. Yeah, yeah. It's all continents and then Soviet Union. And this was like 1990, 1991, right? So this is right around the time that the Soviet Union collapses. So I don't know whatever ended up happening with Linka. If she was freed. Oh, uh, well... To be fair, she well, had a lot for of power. Listeners in that. who don't know, how why don't you explain um, what happened with the Soviet Union? Well, if, actually, listeners from the show already know because they listened to our intro, where they have Ronald Reagan tearing down the wall, and then everything was fixed, and that was the whole story. <laughs> so okay, I just want a little history lesson. <laughs> no, I, I actually don't. I actually don't know a ton about it. So, uh, <laughs> so that's my answer. So. Here's a little more here. So this was starring uh, a couple of people I didn't know, but LeVar Burton is in this. Here's from Star Trek. He was Kwame. Kath Soshi is the girl from the Soviet Union, Linka. She plays Lola Bunny in uh, Space Jam. So she's the voice of Lola oh, Bunny. Yeah, nice. The hot bunny. Nice. Yeah. Then Whoopi Goldberg is in this. She's uh, Gia, which, which is the spirit of the Earth voice. Uh, mm-hmm. Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg in probably one of the worst movies ever made called Theodore Rex. Go ahead and just look up the trailer <laughs> of Theodore Rex. That has got to be one of the worst movies ever made. Uh, just yeah, I, I don't, I can't say anything more about it. Then there's Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum is playing verminous scum, and Jeff Goldblum is part rat, part man. I don't know how that happens, like sexually. Like how does that kind of person become formed? Uh, but, you know, that's what he is, and he's just loves to spread pollution. And then uh, in some of the other episodes, Martin Sheen was in it, Sly Sludge he plays, and Meg Ryan was also in it, Dr. Blight. And what's kind of dumb is that, like, why are you getting these big actors to be in uh, a kid's show? Because they have no idea what these voices are, right? They have no idea who these people are playing these voices. So you're probably just paying more money for a voiceover that's unnecessary. But anyway... Uh, he's in four episodes Reign of Terror, Scum Lord Don't Drink the Water and Mission to Save Earth and those are from 1990 to 1991 uh, there's a varying of uh, different things that, like one of them is literally like uh, Jeff Goldman just wants to create a bunch of acid rain and so then the then the planeteers have to go in and stop him from but here's the problem with the show Pat they never like actually just use their their powers to kill anybody like, this one guy just has the power of fire. He can just, like, shoot fire out of his finger. But they never like to shoot the fire at the actual people and just kill them. They want to destroy the Earth, not the people on it. Yeah, I know, but it's, like, what they keep doing is because they just, like, instead of, like, killing, uh, you know, verminous scum, they uh, just decide, like, they're just going to, like, uh, <laughs> like, shoot some fire around him so he runs away. And then he just keeps coming back, you know, three to four episodes later. So they don't. They never really solved the problem because they just kind of temporarily put a Band-Aid on it until the next thing. So that's pretty poor writing. It's just like it's poor planning on their part. Like they don't really follow through. No follow through, I think, is the issue. But uh, anyway, the show, the show, like looking back, it's pretty ridiculous. I liked it as a youth, but it's not it, the whole <laughs> the concepts are a little over the top. 
Um, it's not like a super. It's it's interesting that they're trying to get people to learn about uh, pollution and trying to stop that. It's all about like a big message every time to try to get you to recycle and things like that, which is good. It's still middle tier for me. It's it's an okay kid show. Um, you know, ha- having to watch four of them at this point in my life was a little rough, uh, but I enjoyed it as a kid. So I'm gonna give it a middle tier. Jeff Goldblum, uh, Harry Connick Jr. You on the Independence Day. Yeah, I watched all four. And one was not wrong. You watched this one, all four? Yeah, I watched all four. I try to watch every episode of shows that he's in. So those were the four. Jared goes above and beyond. Yeah. Or, as the good reverend would say, why we on this particular mission, we'll never know. But I do know here today that the Black Knights will emerge victorious once again. Amen, man. Amen, Reverend. All right, how about some Tanzania news real fast, Beth? The infection causes immediate respiratory failure, and scientists claim that these patients are now transmitting. You know what Fugazi is? Fugazi. It's a uh, fake. Yeah, Fugazi. Fugazi. It's a wazi. It's a wazi. It's a fairy dust. What are you, from Tanzania? Yes, I am. Okay. okay. I was kind of hoping they were going to be a country in that uh, that miniseries. I know. <laughs> well, Soviet Union, I mean, is, technically. So, uh, here we go. Uh, it's it's Africa Vaccination Week, as you know. So, oh. there's this article here totally about... Forgot. Yeah, <laughs> article here about uh, Tanzania. Allow your daughters to get the HPV vaccine. How do I reach these gates? So... Uh, this is basically talking about how a safe and effective HPV vaccine launched recently when provided to young girls between 9 and 14 years old protects against HPV and therefore cervical cancer. Cervical cancer is the second leading cancer among women. Uh, but it also, so here's a little thing, Pat. I just thought I'd talk about this because this is something that comes up on Dr. Drew's podcast a lot. And that is that um, originally it was just kind of, uh, the HPV vaccine was just approved for Females, and that was kind of a thing they were getting between ages 9 and 14. And it looks like that's kind of the same thing here in Tanzania. That's what it's approved for right now. But the truth is that, like, then it started getting approved for women much later. Then it got approved for men. And now it's like, then it's, you know, right now it's like approved through men through the age of 26. And if you go to places like, it's it's because the way the vaccines work, the way the process works is that it starts off getting approved for a small group. And then as they do more and more tests, they, they you know, verify it as okay to use for a larger group and that so it keeps expanding and expanding so it's in australia it's it's uh it's okay to use up to like age 45 this hpv vaccine for males and females so because when we were crazy that they they stick you with a needle and you're like immune (laughs) to something forever yeah yeah, no, it, it's it's nuts. it's pretty it's it's amazing what medicine can do. So I feel like I you know I, I'm not a doctor. What I'm trying to get at here is that when we were younger, is I'm talking our age people, uh, males were not really uh, supposed to get this, and they found out recently that males definitely should be getting this because you can get a bunch of different types of cancers through a form of HPV. So uh, the so recently I've gotten the HPV vaccines just to prevent this and. Uh, they say that uh, basically basically with this vaccine, if somebody's listening to this and they're under the age of 26, then their insurance will cover it uh, for either gender. And if you have not gotten it, most males have not gotten it that are our age. Um, but uh, it prevents, like, there's 20,000 deaths a year related to stuff related to HPV that could prevent it with the vaccine. So just a little PSA. 
out there. Wow, thank you for uh, caring about the public, Jared. Yeah, not only in Tanzania, but also in the U.S. So just throwing it out there. Also, side Tanzania knows. Uh, also, side Tanzania news. Knows. Yeah, <laughs> news. Uh, people have two weeks to pay that blogger fee in Tanzania before they start getting cracked down on it. The $950 to be a blogger in Tanzania. So Heads up. Heads up. All right, Pat, I got a lot of other stuff to talk about, but it's early. Um, so we're going to just leave it at that, I think. If you're all right with that, wrap it up there. Unless there's something you want to get to. I don't know how much longer you got to drive. So if there's something else you want to get to, feel free to throw it out there. If I could put 10 mice in my pants at once for $1,000, I would. Okay. All right, we'll save it for next week. Jam Pack Show next week. Everybody's talking about it. Email the show, chubstep.podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Rate the show on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, Chubstep Podcast, all the stuff there. Chubstep Podcast on, I don't know, just everywhere. Just Chubstep Podcast, guys. And follow uh, Microdot at all the spots we talked about. SoundCloud Microdot, Facebook Microdot Dubs. Follow them, uh, or find them on Spotify and check out those upcoming shows. And we want to thank Mike O for being on the show, of course. Um, yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And the show has ended. I rest my case. Now you know you got to go. Peace. This is Yasin.